Hi everyone, I'm Mansa. And I'm Portia. Welcome to Assume It Will Be Brilliant. Shondaland Stand Podcast. Hi everyone, this is Portia. I'm just dropping in to let you know before you listen to this awesome episode that we will be taking a break next week. So there will be no episode out next Monday. However, stay with us because we will be back the following weeks with a few more episodes this season. In the meantime, go ahead and enjoy. Hi, Portia. Hi, Lose. <laughs> How are you? I'm fine. I'm glad we finally got this introduction correct. <laughs> I know we've tried it. We say hi to each other every week, but every now and then, technical difficulties. I like to blame everything on Mercury being in reggaeton, as they say, and the full moon and everything, and the super moon and the lunar eclipse. Honestly, I saw a raven. So <laughs> winter is coming. Oh my god! Can we focus? The people are going to be like, "What's going on?" Never mind. Back oh, to regularly, regularly um, Oh wow, I can't speak. Regularly <laughs> scheduled programming. Okay, so today we're chatting a bit about the shows that we've been watching lately. For me, a lot of them have been female-led, female spearheaded, starring, produced by, directed, written by um, shows, and I just felt like, hey. Is this another leading ladies time for another, another moment, ladies episode? I mean, some of these shows include, I guess, the first lady, which we'll chat about. Can't do it. Sorry, I can't do it. I love Viola Davis too much to watch it. I can't do it. <clears throat> so the first lady, which is a drama, which it's it's currently on uh, streaming on Showtime. I'm watching it. Portia mm-hmm. is not watching it, mm-hmm. as you um, hear. Gaslit, which is a political thriller streaming on stars at the moment, which I'm obsessed with. Russian Doll on Netflix, which is, you know, mm-hmm. season two has come out. And um, Roar, which is a show that actually came out in April on Apple TV. Then there's also, I think, just two other ones I want to mention. And um, those are Candy which is starring Jessica Biel and yes. my favorite, Mel- Melanie Linsky on she's Hulu. Oh, I'm so glad she's say, doing actually, well. Me too. I'm so glad that she's, I'm seeing her more and more. I, mm-hmm. I love Melanie Linsky. But I must say, I tried to start watching this show on, I think it was Monday. And, I, and there's only, I think, five episodes. And I thought, oh my word, I can do this before we record. I got 20 minutes in and I was like, no. Uh-uh. I am. Is this for candy? For candy. I am all TV darts. I actually can't watch I've seen two episodes and I feel like I need a month of break in order to come back to it because it's very, I don't know how to explain it. It's like a thick porridge or something like that. <laughs> We're like, you can eat it and you're kind of like, you're hungry enough to eat it. But also at the same time, it's like a lot, you know, to manage. Listen, listen, I think this is probably wonderful but not right now I can't do this right now and then Shining Girls which is a show that I'm definitely going to watch because it's starring Elizabeth Moss who I love with my whole heart my favorite Scientologist um and I just love everything that she does 
I didn't know that we could have a list of favorite Scientologists, but okay, I'll take it. The list is short. It's got two people. Who's the second person? I really like Leah Remini. Oh, yeah, but she's an ex-Scientologist. That's like her main thing. That's true. That's actually true. So it's really one person on the list. Yeah. (laughs) So she's definitely my favorite. But I think what we'll do is mainly chat about Roar. I think it's probably one of the most interesting ones to explore. But yeah, like we were saying, it's it's prime time for a lot of these female-led shows. Mm-hmm. And I think it's got a lot to do with streaming at the moment because with streaming, we can have so much more content. There's no real limits. And I think it's created a whole lot more opportunities for story writers, for directors, for producers, for mm-hmm. actors. And without the restrictions of network television, there's a lot more, things are a lot more open for storytelling and specifically telling stories about minorities, about women, about indigenous people, about Mm -hmm. queer people. I think it's just opened a lot more. And I think, I mean, we've even highlighted all these shows we're talking about are all on streaming services. Mm -hmm. I'm just really glad that we, we finally Um, We have choices, you know, and that we have choices. Yeah. And people are forced to empathize from a different point of view nowadays, you know, if they can bring themselves to it. Sometimes when I'm very cynical, I feel like "Mm, most people are probably still watching whatever Yellowstone, where it's just like punch, punch, gun shoot, you know, (laughs) like motorcycle club. I'm being very stereotypical in my description, but yeah, there's just so much content out there that is actually original and I'm hoping that many people are watching it and it's making them sort of think a little bit yeah and what I also love about these shows is not just that they're telling stories about women but Mm. they're telling stories about women from the female perspective Perspective. and I think that's there's a difference yeah yeah I mean even the producers of Gaslit were saying that they're basically taking the old adage, you know, like history is written by the victors, you know, which we say, Mm -hmm. or just basically like you never see the story from the point of view of the losers or the other people who just participated in it. I mean, we know this from our own lives, right? Like there is usually Mm -hmm. a great big patriarchal tale, you know what I mean? But how is that man loose in the world? And it's always like, he was a family man and his had a wife Mm -hmm. and kids. And you're like, Okay, but what happened was kind of epic. So what did the wife and kids go through? You know what I mean? Exactly. Well, how did they see it? How did they take it? What was their experience of the situation? So it's interesting. I'm loving that there's historical dramas coming out, like the First Lady and Gaslit at the level, you know what I mean? At the sort of like political level that are telling the story from the women's perspective and not necessarily just, here's a woman who tried to be president and failed. Or here are women who tried to do things and failed. But Here's the story. You know it. Now look at it from this angle. Um, and then yeah. you have Russian Doll and Roar are wholly original, right? They've got elements exactly. of uh, sci-fi. I want to say sci-fi, you know? Yes, yes, Because um, yes, yeah. there's that thing about time traveling. They're, f- they're obviously clearly very much fiction, but mm-hmm. the lens is still focused on the particular women and their experience Mm -hmm. and sometimes some of them are not even of course there's a number of episodes in raw which is sort of supposed to be a feminist commentary that need you to have the male counterpart but what i like about like russian doll and a number of other episodes is that there's basically the men are completely irrelevant to the story you know 
Yeah. 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 I love that. For once, because I mean, a lot of the times we've been watching historically people telling stories about these men and they them being heroes. And then they, if you think of a James Bond and then like, who's going to be the, the new James Bond lady? And she's just there to look pretty. Yeah. You know, like she's. <laughs> <laughs> she's there to be hot and pretty and she's get the guy. Like she's just, so, yes. <laughs> no, and and, so, and you know, service the guy basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it's Prop it's just so up. funny to us that we would be like, even in a series like Bond. Remember how there was a whole moment of, and it's always been that way. Like, who was the Bond girl, right? But if yes. you quantified the amount of screen time she got and what her purpose was, right, and then just it's sort of like faux. How do I want to say this? Full winning, right? Like supposedly yes. like Halle Berry and these women were like yes. at the top of the game. And you're like, but what did they actually like win? You know, like, why is this a thing we're celebrating again? Like, yes. when you look back, I mean, I don't know. It's so exciting to see. Um, yeah. And also speaking of candy and shining girls, you know, shout out to big time lady detectives. Do you know what I'm saying? Shout, shout out, out to uh, lady serial killers. You know, we don't want them to exist. Yes. We don't want lady murderers. Don't want but if you're going <laughs> like representation. <laughs> oh my gosh. Speaking of which, a show that's not on here, but probably should be because I'm because of, of shining girls being like lady, like women detectives is mayor of Easttown with um oh, of course it was lit, which was brilliant <gasps> what a good show oh, i mean and she was amazing i mean she's an excellent actress but she really brought something at that time sheesh we're talking about i'm about to say lady detectives but shows with detectives they there's one specific one that merit weaver who's in roar stars in and mm. for anyone who you know, hasn't seen it yet. Unbelievable on Netflix. Oh, oh, good. So good. So good. I definitely also highly recommend also starring, I think it's, is it Tony Collette mm-hmm. and Merritt Weaver? So. Highly recommend. So high, mm. for me personally, Gaslit, Russian Doll, Roar, I can't say enough good things about them. Mm-hmm. But let's get into Roar. Basically, and just, I do want to show- say Russian Doll um, is... <laughs> Not Russian doll, but um, Natasha. Um, yeah. Natasha Leone is one is somebody who is incredible to me because I, I she has been in so many different interesting things since the beginning of her mm-hmm. career, but she has played the same person. Like I don't know how she convinces <laughs> me that she's playing a different role or that she's a different. Person. And maybe it's just because of her voice being so distinctive that I keep hearing right. like, oh, this is clearly Natasha Leone. And then I decide that it's like, she's basic, but she kind of does. She's the same sort of sarcastic, funny individual, no matter what role she's in. Yeah. She's the, what's that guy's name? Ryan. Ryan Gosling? Reynolds. Not- Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Yes, she's the Ryan she's Reynolds. The Ryan Re- <laughs> She's the female Ryan Reynolds, 100%. He's always just a different action man, a different funny action man, 100%. And shout out to these people. May I build a career in which I pretend to do different things, but I'm just doing the same thing, which is being myself. Because that's the exact thing. I think that's who they are. I think they just ride off of pure charisma and has nothing to do with character building, character acting, method. Method, what method? They're just showing up and being like... It's documentary at this stage. (laughs) 
it's true. We're just following them through different movies. Anyways. Okay, back well, to we, Taz. Um, back, to, back to Roar. So this is a show currently on Apple TV. It's based on a book of short stories by Cecilia Ahern. I'm mm-hmm. hoping I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an anthology series with eight episodes. And each episode tells a story of a specific woman and whatever's going on in her life and it's in the vein of black mirror except Mm -hmm. without tech so Mm -hmm. if you like black mirror um and you're interested in sort of seeing a different way of storytelling this is definitely the show for you it's almost the eight um, episodes yeah made to be (laughs) fable style you know yeah um and and tell some sort of essential truth about contemporary womanhood there's yeah. always something to take out at the end. And sometimes it's a bit convoluted. I guess, like you say, Fable, you're kind of trying to figure out what exactly is going on and what is this thing telling me? And I remember right. every after every episode, I'd speak to Greg and tell him, because he, was, he wasn't watching, but I was. And I'd like tell him the plot of that episode and then come to the end of what it was about, kind of. Because mm-hmm. my mind was blown every time. Mm-hmm. Um it's just, oh, it's just must-watch television. So there's eight episodes starring some of the best actresses around, mm-hmm. honestly. The first one, I'll just name them all. The Woman Who Disappeared, starring Issa Rae. The Woman Who Ate Photographs, starring Nicole Kidman. And also Simon Baker, <laughs> who I love. Yes, I, mean, I believe um, Simon Baker, and if I've not said this before, and in the sort of romantic or just normal drama, he's Simon Baker's like a, a, a black people accepted white actor, like <laughs> unlike the underground, you know, he's, he's one of those ones. We found out he was Australian who knew. And then like never knew Joseph Sakura as well, who plays Tommy in the power series on stars. Oh, yes, you know, yes. he's also like, hard inside he's always the one white guy at the black party he's like doing his dance and it's so fun but anyway that was an aside the woman who had who was kept on a shelf um and that's starring betty gilpin and and another favorite of mine daniel um day kim okay the woman who found bite marks on her skin starring cynthia erivo the woman who was fed by a duck, Ooh, starring Merit Reaver. The woman who solved her own murder with Alison Brie. And my favorites, I think your favorites too, mm-hmm. Hugh Dancy, who's from The Good Fight. Yes. Love him. And I know him mostly Lowell, from who, being uh, being married to Claire Danes. I did not know he was married to Claire Danes until yeah. right now. <laughs> hey, we're learning every day. Christopher Lowell, who's our favorite doll from Del. Private Practice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's also in Inventing Anna, Anything Shondaland. And mm-hmm. then The Woman Who Returned a Husband with Mira Seal. Mm-hmm. And The Woman Who Loved Horses with Favelle Stewart and Cara Hayward. So I, I mean, the overall plus, I guess, I don't know if we'll go through any, like each of them. The main ideas in these stories, the woman who disappeared is, oh, it's a story of um, a black woman who's literally disappearing in, the, mm-hmm. in front of white people. Mm-hmm. The white people around her cannot see her. And I, I won't go into why, but she's trying to tell her own story, but they are appropriating that story and... and- Mm-hmm. the more they do it the more she disappears 
Yeah, and it's bit by bit by bit, and it's. It, I'm, I understand completely why this anthology series opened with this episode because I mm-hmm. think that overall, I don't know that I don't feel that it had the impact that it wanted to have. If I'm very honest, I think it was beautiful. I think everything was clearly quite intentional and well chosen, and it was well mm-hmm. cast. I felt that they wanted to have this almost the effect that Black Mirror has mm-hmm. at the end of an mm-hmm. episode where you're vibrating with some mixture of fear and shock, but it's long enough that you were in the story and you're like, well, I watched the whole thing and just general, wow, okay. I can't just be like, whoa, that was crazy as if I watched a fictional action movie that feels a little close mm-hmm. to home and too real. But this episode, I feel like hit every mark. D- did what it was, like, made me sort of have that mixture. By the end of the series, I was okay, cool. They did. I don't know if that's just because of slightly binging or, you know what I mean? Just you took it to maybe if I'd watched one a week, I would feel differently. But this episode was so good. It was just so good because she's, she, it starts, the story starts off with someone who is ostensibly a, a great success. Mm-hmm. and doing so well and you don't even know what's about to happen and then there's just that one scene where somebody's reading her book she's an author outside and she's you know she's like oh cool book how's it going and clearly the person who's reading doesn't coin that it's her that she's that she's talking to the author of the book she's reading and it's such a benign interaction that you're like okay cool whatever like that happens like I don't necessarily think I'd recognize the authors of the books, the books I'm reading, reading you know and then as it progresses you just sort of start to, it starts to get sinister. And what's impressive mm-hmm. also because Issa is a great actress at this point is that it's also very funny. I'll say that. So yeah. even if you you feel like, oh, I don't know, I wanted, I encourage people jump around, like watch whichever one calls mm-hmm. to you, but definitely start with that one because that was well placed and like very well done. And I am assuming was, was also a choice they made um to show that you can make intersectional content because that that is universal but also her blackness was very very central to the situation which you Mm -hmm. don't often see when they're trying to tell like feminist stories unless it's like explicitly about black women you know Yeah, I actually agree with you in the sense that I thought the first, I guess, five episodes were the most hard-hitting and I guess the most mind-bending. The last three felt a bit like, okay, you know, all right. You know what I mean? It just felt... Okay. The the other the other five, the first five, I just felt they were the most fable-like for me and the most like I'm trying to figure out what is what are they trying to say. The specific one with Issa Rae is for me definitely intentional that they put it first. And for me, it's the one where I was in tears watching mm-hmm. it because I was having a visceral react. I was feeling as if, oh my word, this I know that feeling of mm-hmm. people not seeing you or not hear. It's like you're not you're speaking but you, no one's able to hear you. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically in, you know, corporate America, in corporate America, in corporate South Africa, mm-hmm. um, in the corporate world, in work, there are men that I've worked with who just, I will say, or even white women that I've worked, I will say something. Mm-hmm. And it is as if they, I never said it. And then they'll, you know, five emails later, bring it up. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. And it makes you feel like you're insane. As if it's the first time, as if it's the first time. And I just, yeah. you do feel, and to have that experience, I'm like, oh, I feel so seen, but mm. it so, it was just so intense. So good. Yeah. I mean, the next ones are not, I think as for me, it, I, I didn't connect too much with me, many others just because I've never had that experience, but yeah. they were very well told. The woman who ate photographs, Nicole Kidman plays this woman who's, mother is has dementia or yeah. alzheimer's and is forgetting and she's going to move but she's got a very difficult relationship with her mom and her mom's going to move into the house with her her and her husband and her kids you see her she starts eating photographs and mm. um, nicole kidman um when she gets to her, her, like photographs her of her childhood every time she eats a photograph she inhabits the memory she's inside mm-hmm. you can see her feeling the feelings she felt um, in that particular photo, seeing what she saw in that photo. And it was so interesting to me because I realized at the end, her mom is forgetting, but Nicole, whatever the the character's name is, is able to relive these memories. Mm -hmm. It was Mm -hmm. like, oh, wow. What a... Mm -hmm interesting way to tell the story the woman who was kept on the shelf that one was interesting because i was affected by it but i was but i also kind of wish i hadn't seen it i don't know how to explain (laughs) i don't know how to explain i wasn't as affected by the woman who ate photographs it was it was kind of sweet to me you know what i mean it was yeah interesting i it it was doing the whole like mother daughter thing the generations changing thing like you having to take care of them and you know but it's a difficult relationship and how do you care give to someone who you don't necessarily particularly like but you also have that guilt that tells you like mom Mm -hmm. guilt like this was the mom guilt episode i guess you could say Mm -hmm. along with the one that with with cynthia arrivo the one with the bite marks Mm -hmm. on the skin now the shelf one was very interesting to me because I, I believe that the story was, you know, she allowed herself to just become a trophy thing for mm-hmm. somebody, which was fine. And then he puts her on a literal shelf, which is a metaphor mm-hmm. for like putting someone on a pedestal, which happens all the time yeah. in these because her husband is a big, powerful man with all these big, powerful friends. And you're you're the beautiful, wonderful wife. And he takes mm-hmm. it so far that he's like, I love you so much. You literally have to do nothing other than mm-hmm. sit and look pretty. And they make that literal all she does yes. all day is sit and look pretty. And then the, I guess the sort of twist is that even when she sort of extricates herself from that, because it's very suffocating, she still mm-hmm. ends up most comfortable kind of sitting and looking pretty, even mm-hmm. when she, you know, when she's a little bit empowered. And so I don't know, it just made me feel sick. I don't know if that was the point, but I, I think it was the point, probably. I think and it I- was the point. Because for me, one of the middle, in the middle parts where she's afraid to fall off the pedestal. Yeah, 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 yeah. She doesn't know how it, like, it's actually not as far as she feels, but she thinks she's, in her experience of it, she's been put so high that she can't even come down. Like, it's so scary to not be there. And yet she's no longer even the the object of his affection. He doesn't even notice her anymore. And yet she puts herself back on. I also, it was like, I don't understand. Oh my God. You know what though? I think I do understand. Okay. Maybe I was like, you know, I was affected by this. It actually kind of feels personal in a way. It does. Because I think it also, I think in the show, it's about personal empowerment, but what you just said sort of made something click for me because it's the truth. Often 
you're in a situation that you don't like and you don't want for yourself, but you mm-hmm. feel because of the expectations you've set and everybody around you thinking that way, you feel like I can't fall off this thing. I can't step down mm-hmm. from this place I've placed myself on because mm-hmm. it's too far to fall. It'll hurt so much yep. when I land. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you just like nothing happens. You know, you basically are a little bruised on the knee, but you can have a tendency because you've been up there for so long and you've practiced trying to maintain this facade for so long that you kind of can't, you, you do it still in some some way, shape or form. Like you can't fully let go. Like you'll move to a new place, but you'll still sort of do the performance that you think mm-hmm. makes you worthy. So anyways... The woman yeah, who found bite um, marks on his skin. <laughs> oh, my words. This one, I didn't understand for such a long time until that very last line. And I was like, oh, my word. Um, this is about a new mom. She's not actually a new mom. She's a second-time mom. She's just ended her maternity leave with her second child. And she's going back into the office. And her husband's now taking paternity leave. And he's going to look after the two kids. And she... Um, goes back um and she's got to you know sort of be one of the guys at work and achieve the you know everything because what happens when you take maternity leave is you sort of fall behind and the men in the office who don't take it they move forward and Mm. you have to sort of make that time up again and be counted on and people and make sure that they know that they can rely on you and all these stun expectations that are put on women and that are never put on men. It's the straightest anyway. But at the same time, she now misses out on, on her time at work mm-hmm. uh, at home rather. And she's not, you know, doing the bedtime stories with her kids and she's not, you know, really available for her husband. At the same time, she's getting physical bite marks are appearing on her skin and she doesn't know where they're from. No one's biting her until one day it gets so grotesque. One of her, I think, what is it that starts like her bone starts protruding out of her body and she gets admitted into hospital and she has to join this women's subgroup. I don't actually want to give away everything in these in these episodes but you figure out like what it is Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it just I couldn't I thought if I was a mom a new mom or a working mom I probably would find this so relatable Mm. and a bit healing yeah because mom guilt is real I think for a lot Mm. of a lot of moms that you know having to balance going back to work trying to prove something in work after years of having proved yourself before you had a child also trying to still be there and you know whatever societal pressures on moms to be the caregivers to be everything and everyone to their family yeah this episode was very good at showing like the micro moments that bring mm-hmm. on that mom guilt, that trigger, that mom guilt. Because we have these sort of broad ideas. Oh, when you go to work, you feel bad about leaving your child at home. But mm-hmm. it went and it showed you like a couple of specificities, you know, of how yes. and when you feel bad. And also how really you still try to control. Nothing, yeah. you can't win on any angle because in the show, she actually has a, a supportive house husband. He's actually yeah. like, I'll, I'll stay, I've got this. But that knee jerk just, still be the one who's front and center of the caretaking role for the children. And then the child is upset that you didn't come home for a thing, which is a normal thing for a child Mm. to do. But how do you not take that out on yourself? Right. And then you at work, you know, you've been away. And then 
but you hear your boss sort of be like, wow, this guy did better than we thought he would. And immediately you're like, does that mean I'm getting replaced? That's what you have to compete now. um, And now you're in a defensive posture when you might not even have to be. They might just, he's Mm -hmm. actually, the boss is just reporting to you what had happened when you, (laughs) when you were away. Yeah, and he's just saying, like, don't feel bad for having been away. (laughs) Yeah. But you, you know, the machinations are away because as a woman, like you're never quite enough in any role that you're playing, right? Because there's an ideal that's just out of reach because it's perfect. Yeah. It's a perfect image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One thing I do want to highlight in the story is, you know, they tell a bit of a story of when she actually gave birth to a second child and she almost died. Yes. And just to highlight that there is a lot of black women in birthing experience are not listened to. There's a lot, a, a much higher mortality rate for women, black women who give birth um, at hospitals the because yeah. they might complain about something and the doctors would say, don't worry about it. You're just being emotional or whatever it is and yeah. just pack it away when really there's something wrong. And they, that's just something I wanted to highlight um, that they do speak a bit about. The woman who was fed by a duck, this is the one I wished I didn't watch. Yeah, no, this was, <laughs> d- no, this was deeply, deeply. I would say that this was one of the more straightforward even though it was almost the most magical realism-y, the most, the most fictional update. because it literally has a talking duck in it, I yeah. feel that it might have also been the most impactful. It was considering. the most impactful. It hit me like a... Yeah. I felt ill. This is the one yeah, I felt too. ill after because mm. I couldn't believe... Basically, this woman who is studying to become a doctor, she's doctor go, studying for her NCATs. Yeah. She goes to the park. She meets up with a duck. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous as you say it. You can't even really explain what's going on. Yeah. The duck starts talking to her, takes the duck home. They started having a relationship. It becomes a romantic relationship. It's crazy, I know, saying it, but this is what happens. As this relationship is going on, this duck is starting to be emotionally abusive. He is starts to get dark. It gets so dark, so toxic. And she's taking all of this because like she really loves the duck or (laughs) loves loves him. (laughs) Loves it. (laughs) Loves them. I don't know either. But the thing though is it's also quite on the nose. Why I say it was straightforward it's so is because Duck, you know, had a male voice. The duck had a sort of yep. charming male personality. It was so obvious at the point where it turned, I was like, oh, I see yep. the manipulative MF this duck is about to turn into. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's about like, to turn into a dick. <laughs> because he had he had all the lines. Exactly. <laughs> Because he had all the crucial, all the stereotypical lines. Like, if you really loved me, you would. Oh, red, your sister, red, red flag. You know? Your sister like, doesn't really care about you. I nobody, hate the way she speaks to you. Exactly. You need to cut her out of your, like the basic. You need to like, cut her out. Very basic. I was like, you're so basic, Duck. You're not even original in your manipulation. And I was, I knew it was going to happen. Making a mess in the house and being like, well, what did, what was I supposed to do? You left me alone for hours. Look what you, know? you made me Look what do. you, oh, classic, <laughs> a classic, and a classic banger. Look what you made me do. Oh, we love it. We love that one. No, it was, I was like, she's. She's really being gaslit by a duck. And I think that was the point is that you can really see it when it's a duck. Yes, exactly. Because it's so outrageous that a duck would be (laughs) gaslighting you. 
Like what? Oh my gosh, maybe that's the next tool and strategy we give people. If you're feeling feelings and you're not sure what's going on, imagine that the person you're in conflict with is a duck. Is a duck. Would this be outrageous <laughs> if a duck did this yes. to you? If yes. If a duck said, look what you made me do, how would how, what would you think? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> too funny Woo. anyhow merit weaver was fantastic thank you girl merit was amazing and then we have the last <laughs> three episodes well were the ones that i felt like they were like oh we need to have we need to take this down to something lighter because they'd given us like one two three four five back to back that had a bit of a sinister vibe i feel i really enjoyed the woman who solved her own murder a lot it really actually made me laugh a bunch it's clearly about a woman being murdered, which I mean, femicide is at <laughs> epidemic rates. It's it's not a funny thing. Uh, <laughs> have you ever have you never heard the term femicide? No, she said we need to take it light and then you <laughs> Well, I had to clear I understand. Well, I had to clear it up. No, stop laughing at me. No, I I had to clear it up. I was saying, obviously, femicide is no laughing matter. <laughs> but when they were lampooning, <laughs> but when they were lampooning in the in the episode, mm. is that often men are tasked with solving these issues, these murders, mm. and so it was showing how their own patriarchal conditioning mm. and also their egos, where they're like, "We're detectives, we're figuring it out," and mm. also how they help each other out because one of the detectives is so wildly incompetent in the sense that he's just basically drinking he's think he thinks he's on csi he's Mm -hmm. smoking the weed he finds in her apartment you know but his partner who's apparently the reasonable one isn't very helpful either you know you're not very experienced yeah you're waiting for him to be the one who saves the day but he's just oh maybe you shouldn't do that just like not actually doing something to assist the issue And so in the episode, the girl who got murdered is like, hang on, what happened to me? And so she's following the the detectives around to try and be like, no, like, yes, help me figure this out. And as she's watching them go through her life and make ridiculous assumptions, Mm -hmm. be completely wrong about things. There's one woman who's the only like law enforcement officer who's even using her brain in the situation, but she's dismissed by these detectives at every turn. And so that's essentially what it's about. It's about how you almost have to solve your own murder because if men are on the case, it's not going to happen. And it was comic relief in the sense that it was purposefully funny. You could see that they were doing that, that they were having these moments. Even the murder is ridiculous in a way. But yeah, I mean, it's about a, a, a murder and the fact that like people don't solve women's murders. But it was purposefully funny. It was until the end. I mean, finding out who the murderer was, I didn't like that. I, I was like, oh no, I don't like where this went, to be quite honest. <laughs> Did I not like where it went? I mean, I didn't like it. it I know we don't want to get into spoilers. I didn't like it, but I also didn't find it. It's true. Like this has happened. It's true. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is something that has taken place. Yeah. (laughs) Before. And it's actually not that different from, uh, it's giving candy, the the TV show candy vibes that we were speaking about earlier. Yeah. So anyways, Moving on, this one was clearly just there to be sweet and funny. 
the woman who returned husband. It was so cute. So Actually, good. It was so sweet. I would say watch first the woman who disappeared and then immediately watch the woman who returned her husband just to soothe your soul. <laughs> <laughs> true it is actually so sweet and this one doesn't really need much elaboration it's literally just a marriage can feel like a trap but also the grass is always greener on the other side type fable yeah you know yeah yeah the last one the girl who loved horses yeah look i love Val stewart she's um i don't know if you watched you did watch oh uh atypical, atypical. i really like atypical yeah no i, I really thought liked she was her. A terrible actress and atypical to be honest with you like i didn't i didn't buy she was. a lot of the what she, she was, was trying to but sell I me like her <laughs> i like yeah 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 and, but and she was really good in this episode in this show i thought she was great she was she was the story fell a bit flat for me i was like As okay me too i didn't really get what was going on at all yeah i just it basically really is about a girl who likes horses yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she does. She is on a mission to avenge her father, and she has to yeah. dress up like a boy to do so. But yeah, I would. This is one I would skip. I'm not sure even. I what wouldn't it's about skip it. Now. I mean, if you're going to watch the series, don't leave this one out. Like, watch it. That's um, true. That's true. It's the least interesting one for me in the in the anthology. In the so. anthology. Yeah, I will say one thing is if you are into. I guess cinematography in a way. I was very mm. impressed by how different each world felt. Um, Absolutely. By how so, well yeah. costumed each world was. And this one is like country western. Yeah. You know? It was really well done. I very rarely see a country western story that has female protagonists. You know? And I think maybe that's the point. That I know. I mean, because it was kind of beat for beat. A sort of classic Western story. Like, my, da- my daddy died. I will find his murderer. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I will kill him dead. Let's go. Yep. And then there's like an obstacle on the way. And the, the the her acting partner in that show, the one who's playing the really innocent preacher Ora girl Hayward. who's afraid to dance, was brilliant as well. Really great acting. And in the end, I actually, like now as I speak, I was saying give this a skip. But I, I do think it's definitely worth a watch because... In the end, the moral of the story it was quite lovely to wa- to witness mm. and to watch mm. and to see the turn. In the end, I really loved watching it all. I thought all of it was quite beautiful. Um, the stuff that was contemporary, the stuff was, that was a little bit sci-fi and magical, all of it worked mm. as an artistic endeavor. Like I said, I, w- I read a review in The Hollywood Reporter by um, Angie Han. And in the final paragraph, her complaint is that, about why she feels the show falls flat is that instead of being fleshed out in three-dimensional individuals with arcs worth caring about in their own right, her disappointment came from the fact that in the end, it was still about like what women's experiences mean, quote unquote, as opposed to just seeing women as... What they are. Compli- yeah, exactly. As complicated, uh, unique individuals that have unique and complex experiences and not necessarily reducing them to like woman experiences which I can appreciate that but and then at the same time I would say but I think that was the point like they're trying to I was about to say that I think that is literally the point is that you watch it get and come away with this is what women go through as opposed to the story of it's about this is you know telling a story of women's experiences go right in and then mm. almost detached way. I don't know how to say it. Like you go, mm. because like you, we're not following a long story of a mm-hmm. complex woman. So I think it's, a, it's because 
each one hits the nail on the head. You kind of get exactly what they're trying to tell you. So I actually think it was the strength because I think it was the point. For me, I would give it, honestly, because of Issa Rae, I give this whole thing a 10 out of 10. I know (laughs) it's like a very high score, but I think if I'm real, I think I'd give it an 8. An 8 out of 10, the the series as a whole. I'd love to see another, obviously it's based on, you know, the short stories, but if there was another season of different kinds of stories Mm. as well, I'd be very interested in it. Um, I agree. I like this sort of fable style, like short folktale style. Uh, like little you know here's a little window and of insight into the situation and I I really like that it it was across genres Um, I like how it was as you know I mean throughout this podcast I always talk about how I love any kind of specificity and there's that um, I don't know whose quote it is or if it even is a quote or just a thing people say like in the specificity you find there's universality like the specific ends up being universal so I really like that a lot and so I would love another mm. season even if it's not following the same because whoever wrote this the adapters did a very good job I would so hope good. that they, they write another season that's a different set of stories that comment on some mm. aspect especially I like the old school stuff but I really also like the contemporary stuff like I really liked the Stink. deck episode <laughs> and I love the murder episode because it felt like now you know they were, the, yeah. the phrasing was of how people would talk now like the issues were ones you could relate to today and so I I think it's great. I would love to see another one. Yeah. So were those two your favorite episodes, the duck and the murder? And the and the woman who disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite definitely is The Woman Who Disappeared. And I guess second would be The Woman Who Was Fed by a Duck. It's the mm-hmm. one I, do, I wish I never saw, but <laughs> I but it's so important, I felt. Mm. And I actually really, yeah, let me put those two. Otherwise, I'm going to start naming all of them. I so. know, yeah. <laughs> me too. I had to stop immediately. The other shows I just want to quickly look at. The First Lady. So this show is... A political drama and it's starring you know the podcast faves viola davis jillian anderson who again a fave and oh michelle God, pfeiffer I and i have to say the the casting was brilliant i think <clears throat> it, it was so good jillian anderson as ella so basically it's starring these three ladies these three women who um and it follows three first ladies Michelle Obama, which who um, Viola Davis is playing, Eleanor Roosevelt, played by Gillian Anderson, and Betty Ford, played by Michelle Pfeiffer. So throughout these episodes, you see, you know, three very specific time periods, which are, you know, quite far apart. So different things are happening politically. And you they're really, what I figured out in the latest episode is that they're trying to tell a story of what it's like being a first lady where ostensibly your role is just for fluff. Mm. It's the airs. It's not a real job where each of these specific women want to actually have impact on Mm. American women, on American people. And they are pushing to not just be wallflowers. Mm. They want to do meaningful work. And it's about the, the, the people that are pushing back against that. And 
and how these women, I guess, rise above that. Also the stories, you know, the things they are overcoming in the background. Eleanor Roosevelt really making sure her husband became president. She mm. pushed him even after he had polio and his mother was saying, no, he'll never be able to run for office. And she's saying yes and pushing him, but also wanting to be able to have a voice in her own right. Betty Ford and her struggle, uh, I guess, a bit of substance, not substance, it is substance abuse, but specifically prescription medication and mm. breast cancer and bringing awareness to a lot of women about actually getting checked getting mm, your yearly mm. mam mammograms in a time when that wasn't really spoken about. Michelle Obama, having come from a place where she had worked in a hospital, she was doing work in one of the ho big hospitals in Chicago, to wanting to push a health agenda and really health of young people in the White House. So in that way, I think the, the story they're trying to tell so good. And I really feel for me the best of it is Michelle Pfeiffer and um, Gillian Anderson. I've said this to you before, specifically because I know nothing about their stories. I don't know anything really about Eleanor Roosevelt. I don't know anything about Betty Ford. Mm. I don't know anything really. And specifically because I'm not an American, I didn't do American history, so I don't know any of that. But because I know so much about the Obamas, I followed them, the campaigns. I followed the presidential, the pres presidential runs. Mm. I've read the books. I just feel so close to them. I don't know how to do it with Viola Davis. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. I okay, mean, that's often the problem with biopics is that if the people are still alive and, and real, it, you, it's hard to create that dissonance or completely buy in. For me personally, I need some years between me and the Obamas before I watch this series. Primarily also because of Black Twitter, which ruined things for me by making all those memes of Vi Viola placing her lips in a way that she decided creatively was a, a Michelle Obama thing to do. And I mean, it was a choice. It was definitely a choice. And now I can't, I just, you don't understand. I love Viola Davis deeply. I know many Black women do. Okay. I care about her. And I've just been listening to all these podcasts where she's talking about the memoir she's recently written. Mm -hmm. And her life has been incredible. I want to read it. She's inspirational. And I can't do it. I do not want any, any ounce of my Viola picture in my brain right now. I'm sure that I could watch it and still love her just the same way right? and being very dramatic. But I also just, um, it's too soon. It's too soon. So how, but wh what's the show like? Are you enjoying it? Is it good? Like, um, is the story okay. even good? Uh, which slot is your favorite? I'm mixed on it. Okay. I find it a little bit meh, mm -hmm. just a little bit. I think it's, it's, I think it's, we are on episode, this stage. I've episodes in and there are five, there are 10 so there's five more to go I think it may be three episodes too long but again I don't know what's coming so I find it a bit eh. but right now with me finally getting oh what they're trying to do with it I'm like okay enjoying it a little bit more my favorite first lady that they're doing is definitely I don't know I actually can't say between Eleanor Roosevelt and Betty Ford, there's something in the young Betty Ford. There's something about that story that really interests me. I think Michelle Pfeiffer is blowing it out of the waters. She's so good. Gillian Anderson also is Eleanor Roosevelt. 
so, so good. There's something, and I think maybe she might be my favorite because mm-hmm. she feels like the strongest outside of Michelle Obama, like just the strongest in terms of getting her voice out there, having her own platform. She held the very first female press conference in the, the White House uh, press conference. So mm. only female journalists were allowed in. And if your magazine or newspaper didn't have a female um, White House correspondent, they weren't coming in. But peace out. It was like, then you better get one. Mm-hmm. So I really, I love that. Um, she She's doing something in a, you know, very, very old school patriarchal world that I think is really cool. So in that sense, maybe that. But I, I think it's like my least favorite show that I'm watching at the moment. Okay. But I'm going to finish it. Viola Davis, I still think an incredible, an incredible actress. I do think the lip thing was a choice. And I found it interesting because the young Michelle Obama never does it. So it was like weird for me. Um, Yeah, yeah. I heard that. And I also heard uh, complaints about some of the writing. Some people were upset about them. Yeah, about the writing specifically for the Obamas, not for the other people. Because I guess, you know, the other people are white. But there was some language stuff that people were unhappy with. I I hate the language. I I must say as well, I hate that they're swearing. Just because no one else is swearing in the show. I found it weird. I guess, I I don't know what it is. No one else in the show is actually swearing. She also doesn't seem to be... I don't know if she was well met. I, I love the actor who is playing Obama, but I also don't know if they match, you know, on the show. So that's sure. a whole thing. And I must say the young Obama, um, Barack. Oh no. Oh no, 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 no. Oh, oh no. no. I felt like he felt like a kid that oh, is, no. it was, it's just not good. I, he's not good. I, I'm sorry. In that role. I'm not saying yeah, that yeah, so I yeah, don't know yeah, anywhere yeah. else, yeah. but in the specific role, it's just, I don't know. The way they've written them, the story, the, the writing specifically for them, I must say also I have a bit of a question mark, but I will still love um, them both. They are fantastic actors, so I will still love them. Russian Doll Season 2, have you finished it? No, I have not finished it, but I've watched a lot of it. I am so obsessed because I love that Annie Murphy's in it. And you know, I love me son, Annie Murphy. I just want to say shout out to Tasha Leon, who's doing her thing. I haven't finished it yet, but I, it's just so good. Still. It's good. It's good. There's, no, there's nothing, because it's, as I said in the beginning, it's such an original show. Mm. It's hard to comment on because nothing bad is happening. And there's also yeah. nothing to compare it with. So nothing to compare it with. So we're cool. done here. Everybody watch. <laughs> and then Gaslit, I just need to highlight because Julia Roberts is my favorite actress of all time. Oh of my all gosh. Time. She is my queen. Um, second, I think is uh, Sandra Bullock, but Julia Roberts, I'm watching this show and I can't get enough of it. Every time a new episode comes out, the one thing that is really interesting to me is not just that they're telling the story of Martha Mitchell, who I've never heard of before mm-hmm. the show, mm-hmm. is the whole the whole Watergate scandal. I actually didn't know anything about it. If I think about it, if I'm oh, wow. in the sense that I knew what it was that they broke into the DNC trying to get information, I didn't realize that they got caught red-handed. I That's didn't realize so funny. that they had hired these Cuban men to to be. <laughs> 
I didn't realize when I tell you, I didn't know, I don't know much about American history in that way. Yeah. I am learning so many new things and I find it so fascinating. And specifically, I, fi- I was quite, you know, the Martha Mitchell, you know, when she was actually held up, part of it was so mm-hmm. traumatic. Mm-hmm. And to think her husband did that to her, I couldn't believe it. Um, well, and I just can't wait to see how it unfolds. Welcome to the to the wild side. So I don't know if you know, but Gaslit actually is, as many shows are nowadays, based on podcasts that have done really well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I, I, I listen to, to, it's a podcast from Slate called Slow Burn, and they usually tell, I think their first season was the Watergate scandal. And that's where I learned the most about it. And by oh. now, obviously, I forgot about Martha, but yeah, it's scary. When I was reading the synopsis, I was like, oh, yeah. So I've, uh, season one was about the Watergate scandal. Season two was actually about Clinton. Uh-huh. Season three was about Biggie and Tupac. Season four was about David Duke of the KKK, which was actually really of interesting. Um, and then yeah. currently they're doing this season is about Roe v. Wade. So I haven't listened course, to it at yeah. all, but I but I want to listen to it. And they they did one about the LA riots as well, which I haven't listened to. I have been a bit off the chain, but the Watergate episodes, you should listen to it. It is a very good, good podcast. And it's an insane story. Like when you think about political scandals, what, do you understand that a president of the US had to resign with all the might, you know- all the power you have to manipulate <laughs> the media, everything that as the, so it had to be that they were caught red handed. Like there's no other way. It had to be be because yeah. I, I think about it and I think it's so poignant watching it now after the Donald Trump presidency and someone who in many ways there was caught I guess orange-handed he was never caught <laughs> necessarily red-handed but I don't mean it because of the exactly what you mean I know exactly <laughs> what you mean but it's also a hilarious uh, slip of the tongue okay. the pun. <laughs> no but in the sense that, like, he tried to withhold funds to uh, to Ukraine at a some stage, and yeah. he was not. He was not. He didn't have to resign. The amount of things that Donald Trump did that I'm like, if this was the 1980s or 1970s, he would have had to resign. Yeah, and just to see how different the world is it's it's just fascinating to me. Yeah, he um, would have had to resign. I mean, the the advantage that they had now is that like nobody knows what's true and everything is so polarized everybody's just yelling at each other and you can just keep things in limbo for a minute you don't have to be honest about anything true and the fact that yeah he was caught orange-handed like he Mm. was trying to solicit information on the democrats but he didn't actually get it yeah as far as we know and so so yeah, I just it's so good. Um if only and, for Julia, it's worth a watch. Yeah. And Sean Penn, who is unrecognizable. If you don't know who which one's Sean Penn, yeah, just be prepared for that. I didn't know who he was. I waited the whole time. And I was like, is this him? Because I kept thinking that I was in a different timeline. Literally, I was like, oh, this is because all shows nowadays like to time jump. They tell you the young story, the future, the whatever. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm waiting for her to like me waiting for yeah. him to arrive yeah, for him to arrive and i was like what that's i mean honestly the cg the makeup whatever they call it now is truly out of this world so i guess that's it for today i think it is and i i actually want to use a quote from gaslit to end this off it's by it's a quote from martha mitchell and um her husband is basically tell her, telling her to stop 
making comments. She was known as the the mouth of the south. Mouth of the south. Ma- yeah. And so she says, get another wife if you want a silent one. Or marry that portrait I made for you that you never thanked me for, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Shout out to Martha Mitchell. She was a real one. She really was. She was the real one. Um, she just, she was not going to roll over for anybody. And I love that. I love that for her. Yeah. Okay. Well, see you next time, Nomsi. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at Assume It Will Be Brilliant Pod. And if you have any queries, questions, or comments, please email us at assumeitwillbebrilliant at gmail.com. And remember, step out into the unknown, assuming it will be brilliant. If you want to support the show and help other people find us, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts.